The following opinions expressed within the content are solely the speakers and do not reflect the opinions and beliefs of Child Free Media Limited or its affiliates. So you were married. Tell me about that. <laughs> oh, yes. I was married for 14 years. I met the hubby in 2002 here in Atlanta, Georgia. And we got married in 2005. And I will say we had a very interesting marriage. I was born and raised in the South and he was born and raised in the North. Ooh. His mom had about eight kids and my mom only had three of us. So <laughs> we had a different feeling about kids and children, but I always had the village notion. So I grew up with my uncles, my aunts, my grandparents. He never really got a chance to meet his grandparents. I think he met maybe one. So I wow. think we had different interpretations on what a village was. I had the interpretation that we would create our own village. He wanted to not only include his family, not only in the village, but they were also supposed to have a, uh, uh, a say in some of the things that we did. <laughs> so it was, I, I don't know if we had that conversation beforehand, but what I can say right. is that when we first met, we were the only ones that lived down here and okay. his family moved to, moved to, Atlanta, Georgia, two uh, years after we got married. So it was more family involvement that I didn't realize we were going to have. <laughs> and it just got kind of really interesting. I needed the support that I had when I was younger. So I'm used to that village and whatnot. And I think with his family, they were used to us all being in the village. So I understood separation because even with my mom, my sister okay. and my brother, we have separation. Yes, they're both, they're all married, they have kids, but it's not involvement. I'm not necessarily in their marital lives. I know their spouses, I love their spouses, mm -hmm. but not so much involvement in daily activities in the life. Okay, so that's the difference. So there's the village with boundaries, and then there's yes. the village that everyone's living in your bedroom. Yes. <laughs> that's yes. what I get. Okay, okay. Yes. That's, that's a big distinction that yeah, um, I, and I say that as someone who's never been married, but you know, I that would that would drive me nuts. Um, yes. Again, not even having that conversation beforehand, which that's a whole different topic. But okay, so it's understanding what does that mean? Because it sounds like you both had villages, but how you operated the villages were yes. very different. Very yes. different. Okay. Yes, and I think you know he was eight years older than I was, and so that didn't have a problem because we we clicked very well on that. But I guess not having that clear distinction of boundaries, mm -hmm. I think that became very clear probably by year three. And some of the things we were able to do prior to the family coming, things kind of changed. And there was a lot of, not a lot of no negotiation, a lot of, not, a lot of uh, wiggle room. Okay. And I will say that, you know, because he was from such a large family, he did want children. I was on the fence for that. But when I did not see the support in the village that I grew up with, that mm -hmm. terrified me. Because again, when my uh, parents got divorced, I, I was used to my mom, my dad, my sister, my brother, and that halved. So we mm -hmm. spent summer times with my dad, something, and then we spent majority of my time with my grandmother, and my mom. So okay. I did not want that for my child. And because okay. the lack of boundaries was not there, 
I didn't want to have them kind of grow, my kids grow up the way I did because I well that's when your parents get divorced you always want them to get back together right and I just did not want that to happen to my child and because of the lack of boundaries we can have the conversation about it and once they got here things just kind of got really problematic I just Again, it was that fear. Again, not only mm-hmm. can I not control the fate of my child, then I'm not going to know if I have him there to make sure we help raise it together. Right. So backing up just a little bit, and and if you don't want to answer this, you don't have to, but prior to getting married, did the conversation of having children come up at all? It or did. did you know where you stood? Like No, it did. Or- and I said that, I don't remember what the conversation was. He did say he wanted children. Okay. And I want to say I was kind of on the fence. I let them know, you know, what my history was like. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, kind of needed that stability in order for me to right. even consent. And I think this is where we, that's why you have to kind of know people's history because right. the history comes back and it's never gone. And I think it was just those fears, you know, that divorce and, you know, being the oldest, trying to figure this out. And I just didn't want my, so I told him all of this and, I think he did not really, re- uh, he underestimated the okay. fears I had <laughs> right. about having children. So I right. think that made a big part of that. So he did want kids because most most people want to extend their legacy. They want, you know, a child to right. be reflected back to them. But I think it just depends upon both of your history. What did you see yeah. growing up? You know, was it stability? Was it kind of problematic? But did you love each other? What does love look like? And I honestly say, too, is that I wish we would have done that love language thing because I learned later on what his love language was and what was mine. And maybe if we could have maybe talked through that, maybe that had been different. So a lot of wish it could have with us. But the conversation right. about children did come up. But I was just terrified when I saw a couple of things. I said, well, I, I, I just I didn't want to put my child through some of the things that I saw as you know, growing right. up. So uh, th- there's another part of that question for me, because when when I hear people talk about the things they don't want to do, because there's a lot of things that I saw that mo- mothers in particular do that I know I'm like, I don't want to spend my time doing that. And that's the other thing, like, because people go, oh, well, you're focusing on the quote unquote negative things, which I think, well, you're focusing, I'm focusing on the realities of having children. Mm-hmm. There is also the realities that people do enjoy, that there's aspects about having children that people do enjoy. But when I listen to you talk, it sounds like you actually wouldn't have wanted kids anyway, even if you had the support. Like, I, I don't know. I'm just seeing, and that might be an assumption on my part, but there's that. Well, what I can say is. You never is felt like, a call. Well, I, don't, like, I, did I, ever, I didn't like, ever felt the call, but like I said, I do know before my parents got divorced, my mommy and dad, my mom was a stay-at-home mom for 10 years. Okay. But it was a struggle. <laughs> Daddy right. worked all the time. Again, like we said, Daddy worked all the time and she was home with us. So, you know, maybe some of the dreams she wanted, she got to be deferred. So all that comes out when you're raising the kids. And it was a struggle. Like, like, yes, we had a couple of things. We got a chance to participate. But it just didn't, motherhood didn't look fun. <laughs> right. So, so isn't that interesting? Okay, because there's a saying, oh, when you meet the right person. Okay, mm-hmm. let's scratch out the right part when you meet somebody that you choose to get married to or have a relationship mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. and then there's that assumption that oh then you're going to want to have children 
it's maybe presented to you. And in your case, it was the option was like, okay, you had that option, but it didn't still, it didn't sound like something sparked inside yeah. of you going, yes, I actually want to be a mother now. Mm -mm. Well, I think too, I think a lot of people forget is that, you know, when you have a little person, not only does your DNA come up, you know, so does the spouse that you select. So everything. And all their ancestors. Yes. Yes. So everything right, that so you love. Yes, yeah, something that you love about him, love about yourself, that's going to be there. But also the frustrating parts of you when that person's going to mm -hmm. come out. You got this whole little person with not only your and you know you got the whole ancestor thing. So I guess I will say I did overanalyze it, but again, it's just you can't help but to mirror your childhood to what you right. would actually give a child of your own. And I think that's sometimes almost pros and cons. Yeah. You know, you're projecting this thing on a little child that has not been here, but you can't help but to because that's what you have as a reference. You know, and I, and I knew this about myself, but you just kind of helped me get some clarity on something here, which is why I love talking to you, among, <laughs> among many things. <laughs> but I just realized, like, I would have projected my mom's energy and dedication onto my children because my mom was super dedicated. Mm -hmm. And I would want to live up to that. But at the same time, I like, I know I don't want to do that. That's not how I want to spend my time. So I would do it out of obligation because I'm like, mm -hmm. well, my mother did this. I couldn't give my child or my children anything less than my mother gave. I think my mother actually gave her life. She died at 47. I think mm. she just gave her life to her children. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to do that. That's just, that's not a natural thing for me there. I can dedicate my life to advocacy, to other things that I'm mm -hmm. actually truly passionate about. I am not passionate or interested in raising children, but I would want to project what I saw my mother do. Mm -hmm. And to that point, because my dad and and I I know we're talking like uh, hetero relationships here, but mm -hmm. you know I saw my father be a dedicated dad, dedicated husband. They put a lot of energy into their children, and I would expect that same level. Mm -hmm. I would just project it mm -hmm. onto whatever partner I had, mm -hmm. and that pressure. I mm -hmm. feel like I it, first of all the pressure would come from myself. Mm -hmm. And I, mm -hmm. I kind of, I saw that. I just, I just had these thoughts bubbling in my head when I was, you know, a teenager still living at home mm -hmm. and seeing all this and really understanding and realizing, oh, like I have to go out in the world and do something. Mm -hmm. But what's expected is, you know, wife, mother, all that sort of thing. And I'm like, it, okay, it's, that's not a bad projection to have, but mm -hmm. I, I don't, I don't truly want it. So I would mm -hmm. be doing it for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Well, it's like this. It's similar to what you just said. Like you said, uh, the only, well, the main reference point would be our parents. And right. my dad was extremely dedicated with us, even though we, um, he was no longer married to my mom. We saw him every uh, summer. And mm -hmm. his, uh, my aunts and aunts from that side were very dedicated. Again, I had both uh, relationships with both sets of grandparents when I was 25. And that's what I would expect. And right. um, because I did grow up, <laughs> my grandmother being so protective, I probably would be worse. And I, I just, I don't know. As I'm getting older, I can see that. It's just, I think we were talking about something. A child was going to go. So I said, oh God, I couldn't let them go. So it's just, again, I remember. So my grandmother was so protective with us. We got bicycles one year. My dad sent it to us for Christmas. And we had to ride the bikes in the backyard because we could not ride them on the sidewalk. So because she was just that terrified somebody might oh, wow. snatch me off. So that's wow. what I'm talking about is the protection. I remember being, she'd been in high school and my mm -hmm. mom actually walking me to the bus stop in high school. 
So it's wow. those okay. messages that it's funny, even today. So I'm in my mid forties and I'm going to do my first study abroad program next month to Costa Rica. And I'm nice. waiting on my password to get processed. And my mom, my mama said, well, maybe you, I think that we having some issues right now in the United States processing the passport. And she said to me just yesterday, she's, oh my goodness, well, you know, be careful going over there. So again, it's, it's, it's almost that feed, that fed in fear yes. <laughs> that yes. you just, I kind of grew up with and I've never lived alone and I've always lived with family. So it's just, it starts, I won't say it's the right. historia, but it's just, I don't know. I don't know if I would have been emotionally able to do it. <laughs> right, right. So and it's not fair to the child. You know, they wouldn't want to go out and spend time with their family. I mean, it's such such an interesting dilemma. I'm going to use that word dilemma because, Mm -hmm. you know, people say they want to have children. They want to raise children. And we'll get back to how that kind of played a part in your marriage where, you know, like the the idea of children. But what does that mean? Because you're still a human being with your own dreams and desires. And if that doesn't include motherhood, but you have that expectation to there's that expectation on you to provide children, provide Mm -hmm. children, whatever, Mm -hmm. raise them. And you want to dedicate your energy to them, but then also yourself. Like I can't even I can't even get my thoughts out because that's how overwhelming it makes me feel. Overwhelmed <laughs> it makes me feel. And I'm like, no, I I am I'm not suited for that because I I always knew that I would feel resentful mm-hmm. because I'd be expected to give this level and I would do it out of obligation, which mm-hmm. isn't necessarily pure, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And I would be resentful and that mm-hmm. that resentfulness would actually come out in whatever loving, quote unquote, outwardly loving action I would take towards said children. So yeah. I just I can't even think about that right now. It's exhausting. Um, but OK, so you had the conversation. You and your husband had the conversation before, prior to marriage. Mm-hmm. And then if you don't mind sharing, like what happened or what how did that progress? Like or did it progress during your marriage? I think it did progress. We did progress but there was an incident that happened that kind of made me realize that um he was not going to put our family first okay so um when we first were getting ready to look for a purchase for a house uh we were looking and stuff and it was just um the interference with the family again this everything was supposed to be a communal decision and i didn't grow like- up with that Okay, so that means you and him plus all of his relatives. Yes, everybody's put it in. And I'm like, um, I I didn't sign up for this. And I know know that you're an extension of the family, but this level of involvement. So what happens is because they were always involved, I knew that they would always be involved with the child. So it's again, it goes back Mm -hmm. to what I saw growing up. And I've kind of had to play mediator sometimes with my mom and dad. And I, said, I, I just can't do this to my child again. So yeah. it, it was just not a separation. I guess the separation right. of church and state. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. was not separation. <laughs> Everything was supposed to be this whole group effort. And that's not how I saw this. So I could t- I tried to talk to him about that. It was kind of in denial. And he's actually, well, so this is where the birth order comes in. I am the oldest of three. He was the youngest of eight. Oh, wow. Well, okay. 
<laughs> okay, that seems obvious to me now how that plays a part, but do you want to explain to the audience how that actually isn't like how that makes an impact? Well, I think in birth, it, it, there's a theory about birth order. So you have to actually read where you are. But because I am the oldest of eight, I've been given responsibility at a very early age. So I will say I've kind of been a little adult since I was 10. And okay. when sometimes when you have the youngest, depend upon, you know, how that family dynamic is put together, I will say um, my ex-husband was just, he was the youngest and he was coddled. <laughs> and just like some of the boys in the family are, which I understand, but it makes mm -hmm. a difference when it's time to make decisions. Um, and I just think that had a lot of impact. He was used to getting his way and I get all that too. But I guess when you're, when you're married, the person that you have dedicated your life to, you said you're going to dedicate your life to, that should come first. And I yeah. did not see that. So okay. I could see down the line, if something had to happen to me as a child, we wouldn't come first. And when you are having a family, you have to come first. You know, that, that immediate family has needs. And mm -hmm. just them always being in the background, it just concerned me. And it was not just um, him. It was about maybe five or six of the love of his loved ones that were here, which they were lovely people. But I just think that because they were used to the interference with the other siblings, they were just mm -hmm. used to the interference with him, too. And it was never going to separate. Okay. You know, it's, it's really cool that you, well, I mean, it's okay. First of all, it's unfortunate that that's what happened, mm -hmm. but it's also really cool that you were aware and you, you were, um, you accepted or understood on your level that, okay, this is not going to change. I guess realistic is the word I'm mm -hmm. going to use mm -hmm. because I, I know like for some people, I feel like if both people or, or if it just, they're, they're fine with it where that interference isn't interference for them. That's just what they prefer. Mm -hmm. For me, I'm like, no, definite boundaries. Because, again, this is a projection. You're, the subject of projection is so interesting because I go, I saw my parents completely leave their families and create mm -hmm. their own family. And, yes, I know we're talking about, like, nuclear family terms right now, but mm -hmm. just based on our own childhoods. That's where the language we're using. Um, mm -hmm. My parents kind of disassociated themselves from their families for a while because they chose to raise us in a religious sect. So it was just those, th the two of them plus me and my brother. Mm -hmm. And they always put that family unit first. There was mm -hmm. no interference allowed. And I've seen how that has impacted my brother in raising mm -hmm. his children because the mother of his children comes from the everybody's involved in everything. And I've seen mm -hmm. what they had to go through mm -hmm. for myself. I've never been married, but I, I, I was in a five-year relationship with someone who, whose family was like always in everything. And I'm mm -hmm. like, I can't do this. Mm -hmm. So I, I like, I don't think that there's one way of doing everything because some people want that, mm -hmm. but it's knowing ahead of time or realizing, and, and I'm not saying like, Oh, you should have checked this out. But I, for myself, I go, mm -hmm. I, I do need to know, Mm -hmm. Even if it's just like, if I'm just in the interested stage mm -hmm. <laughs> and mm -hmm. we're not even like in a relationship, I'm like, you know, what kind of family dynamic do you come from? Because mm -hmm. that, that does make a difference. And I, I just saw something the other day. It's like, you're not just marrying that person, you're marrying their family. <laughs> like, yes. What kind of family dynamic? Yes. Like for me, it's boundaries, you know, mm -hmm. cause everyone's got their people, but, and it's good. It's good to have support systems, but mm -hmm. they're like, to me, I feel that there needs to be a compatibility in how you handle your families if you both 
have families with boundaries, mm -hmm. that's not going to mean it's like the perfect relationship, but that's, that's to me, that's, that's going to make you seem more appealing mm -hmm. <laughs> than someone coming. I'm, I might totally adore it, but if you come from a family where everyone has to come along for the ride, like I just watched my big fat Greek wedding too the other day mm -hmm. and it's like her family's in everything all the time. It makes for a fun movie. Do I want to live like that in reality? No, mm -hmm. I would leave so fast. You would never hear from me again. Mm -hmm. So and it's, it's definitely it is definitely impactful because I want to say I look at um, him and his my family his family dynamics. None of the adult siblings have functional relationships outside of them. So it not only impacts oh, my family, but wow. a lot of the family members. Yeah, they were married and it just didn't work out. So I don't know if they wow. see that from an outside look, but again, it's just not healthy. You know, yes, you have siblings and you love them mm -hmm. and you want the best for them, but you cannot just continue to take that role where they're always in the driver's seat. But again, right. now that we're no longer together, I look at all of the siblings and none of them have relationships outside themselves. Like not even friendships? They have friendships, but because they kind of all live together, <laughs> everybody knows what everybody's doing. So... Wow. Okay. And I guess that for me, that was kind of problematic for me because when I lived with yeah. my grandmother, it was just my grandmother, it was my mother, and it was my sister, my brother. So it was just mm -hmm. us. And, and we didn't really, if we had issues, we kind of handled them internally. Right. <laughs> there wasn't no community group form, but actually, my grandmother, <laughs> she just told us what to do. We did that. So, <laughs> so I had to get used to that. <laughs> but right. I'm used to consensus and collaboration now in my okay. adult life. But there was none of that with him yeah. or his uh, family okay. members. Wow. So, okay. So the converse. So wait. All oh, right. So you realized that you were not going to, if there was a child involved in your marriage, mm -hmm. you were. You saw that you were not going to get the support that mm -hmm. you would need. Mm -hmm. um, I'm trying to ask a question without prying too much. I just want. I guess where I'm, what I'm trying to get at is, did did you tell him that you weren't going to have children? Like, did that? Did that? conversation of like there's going to be no kids come up i think the it was more of a consensus i think keep kind okay. of knew and and okay. i knew i think eventually we just kind of he didn't i guess we maybe kind of grew comfortable with the decision okay i want to say it might have been a source of contention but my main thing was the, the interference it had to be curtailed right. and it was just not going to be right um I think one time he might have gave them a key to our house. I don't oh my know. God. But yeah, it just worst. yeah, it just went from there. Oh I mean, God. I would tell them stuff and then all of a sudden they repeating it back. So yeah, I was like, no, oh. no. So it just cut progressively got worse. But I don't know if they consciously again, this is where the family dynamics. I don't know if right. they're just used to that and that was okay. I don't know if it was ever brought to their attention that this is not how you do things or you've got to be mindful of how other people I don't know. Mm -hmm. See, we're learning through this. So again. Right. Most of his uh, family members were baby boomers. So again, you shared everything. So this is where you got to have the conversations and right. you got to be able to grow. So yes, we have what we grew up with, but can we make something new and what that looks like? So I right. think too, going forward, we have the conversations. What yes. was your family like? What was what was his? Or you know, wherever you are in a relationship, so you can figure out how you can meet in the median. I don't think we had a lot of conversation with a lot of assumption. I was going from what I saw. He was going from what he saw, and it just didn't work out. Right. So, 
for you personally, like how for okay, because in case there's someone listening who's kind of like in this dilemma and it doesn't have to be exactly like yours, but for you, how did you cultivate inner strength to realize like how and how did you work through that? Like when you realize this is not what I signed up for. Something has to change and you don't have to say like how you left or whatever, but how, but that takes inner strength because something ended, right? Well, yeah, it did end. And I'll say it was probably two things that really made me realize that I just can't stay with the sakes of of appearances. I had a lovely um, uncle, um, my, his sister that I live with now, uh, he was married 40 plus years and it was a contentious relationship. Well, contentious marriage. They were married almost 40 years, but we lost him and he had a heart attack arguing with her. Oh my goodness. It was something he could have should have lost. He could have left, wow. you know, because they were not for each other, but it was always you gotta years. stay together. 40 years. But you know, again, sometimes just because this is where it is too. Just because you're 40, 50, 60 years in a relationship doesn't mean it was happy. It was the Thanks. expectation for you to stay. Mm-hmm. So, I have two grand, sets of grandparents with that exact same story. Yes. Yeah, so that was mm-hmm. number one. Number two, I'm big into genealogy, genealogy for my family. And I was trying to do some research from my my, my, uh, my grandmother's side of family. My grandmother was born here in Georgia, very small incorporated, unincorporated part. And she said that the courthouse that had her records burnt down. But again, we're talking about 1920, 1930s, just very problematic. But I was able to find on Ancestry.com, I finally found her sister. Because the only time I knew she was alive was because my mom, my, my grandmother told me about her. And I know she was uh, on the 1930 census. Well, some person on the family tree actually uploaded her uh, marriage certificate to her first husband. And it was like a 1950 something. But she was actually married the same um, city where my husband, my ex-husband was born. But we lost her to a domestic violence dispute. Oh, wow. So between my uncle passing away <laughs> yeah. and then we would move, we'd be losing my great aunt from where state my, uh, my ex-husband was from. Sometimes you have to look at the lessons of other people in your life. Mm-hmm. to realize that you have to move on. And after we went to counseling and it was just this long drawn out thing, I left three separate times. It was just, we, wow. it was a pattern that he wasn't going to change. Right. So to avoid for something crazy to happen, because I started watching some really crazy stuff on TV. So you know what? It's time mm-hmm. <laughs> to leave yeah. so that it would be healthy for both of us because we see right. it's not going to work. So I guess right. you have to look at the patterns of other people's lives, other people's stories, yeah. and what you know is going to work and not going to work. Going yeah. Wow. Um, I just want to quickly ending, because uh, you had made a note about um, men that wish for women to continue their legacies mm-hmm. or legacy without giving a commitment or a total commitment so mm-hmm. you saw that you wouldn't if you were to bring it if you were to have a child with your former husband married at the time that level of commitment to the family and probably the child would not be there yes yes 
But there's that expectation that, oh, that doesn't matter. You should have a kid anyway. And I'm not saying that was ever said to you, but we see that time and time again where it's like. Oh, it was, that, was communi- that was communicated to me, too. Oh, well, maybe if you just oh. have it, he'll change. No, 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 no. That's not oh. going to work. Because, again, you know, in certain cultures, that's fine. Yeah. And I've seen people, you know, women have kids from, you know, men. Actually, I've got a girlfriend right now. Her daughter uh, is in a relationship and the guy's getting ready to walk out and they're not married and, and it's okay. It's okay in certain cultures to just walk away from your children. But we're seeing in society that mm. the child needs both mom and dad. Even if they're not married, if they're not together, we're seeing these broken relationships. So these children that are small children, they're growing up to be broken adults. So yeah. it has to be a full-time commitment. So that's what I mean. I'm seeing in certain people, you know, oh, I just want to have a baby. I just want to have a baby. But the baby is here. It is not a full-time commitment. That baby is... Mm-hmm. He's a small baby now, but 18 years. You got to be there for the ba- the infant stage, the toddler stage, the teenage phase. You know, it's a lifetime commitment. Like I talked to both my mom and my dad. Mm-hmm. I talked to them, but it, it, child raising never ends. And I just need that full time <laughs> commitment. And that's not unreasonable. Because no. again, actually, I'll say this too. You know, some women we were talking about in maternal rates here in the United States, they're bad, especially for African American women. We're dying in childbirth. So I said, now you want right. me to risk my life? No. <laughs> right. So it was just a lot of concerns because childbearing can be dangerous as well if you don't really mm-hmm. have the care that you need. So it's a lot of things, and it's just I think there's a lot of things that women have to actually consider, uh, mm-hmm. and men. But it's just a lot on the women that she has to feel safe, not only financially, emotionally, but is she going to be supported throughout? Right. You know, and I think again of my brother, who's a single dad is he's kind of in an unusual situation, but I, and I know I've told you this before, but when my first nephew was born and then five years later, my second nephew came, came along and they have the same mom. Uh, I, (laughs) Without throwing anybody under the bus, I knew that these children were going to need us to see a strong female who could be independent. And because they they weren't going to see a lot of that. They were going to see their dad basically do everything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, without getting into too much detail, but um, I realize like, I, I, I will never say that I've sacrificed my life, but I have tailored my child through by choice life mm-hmm. <laughs> so that I can incorporate my nephews when they were younger. Cause now they're almost 13 and 17. So mm-hmm. I still see them, but you know, we're all, we're all living our life but when they were younger. I was like, I need to be at least within an hour vicinity around so I can be involved in their life. They can come over. You know, I, I don't babysit. I've been an active aunt you know, my mm-hmm. brother's never said, can you babysit the kids? It's like, there, there have been times where it's like, well, they have a week off. <laughs> can they go mm-hmm. to auntie's house? I'm like, yes, I'm busy, but we can do things and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, because that village mentality, but also realizing my brother was doing, having to do the bulk of, well, he had to financially support the kids, but also emotional homework, keep mm-hmm. the house, you know, the roof over the head, all that sort of thing. Like just, and he was there and I'm like, Wow. <laughs> And it's a lot. And, and I and it's it a is. lot. When you see your loved ones go yeah. through that, again, even it's as a hard. child, I saw that it is not an easy undertaking. And I just mm. think it's totally irresponsible to just tell people to just have it and figure it out because that's right. it, it's just it, it that's the whole <laughs> that's the whole man, woman, and, and, and child that has to 
go through this process. It's, yeah. And it's not easy. No. And for me, like, I realized that I, even though, like, I didn't, like, I knew my nephews, but they're so little, like, you don't, you know, you're, I always say obligatory love, but for me, I really did genuinely care. I mean, they were super cute, but I realized I'm like, okay, there are some aspects about my childhood that they won't experience, which is a good thing. Mm -hmm. There are some things about my childhood that they won't experience, which is unfortunate, but that doesn't mean they can't not experience the level of love. Our childhoods are going to be very different. And they've turned out well, because I did rally around my brother. My dad, like my mom was, was, had passed away before the nephews were born, but my dad and his wife have rallied around the nephews. So, you know, they feel they can be as they are living their life. And there is that support. And for me, as a child free by choice person, I was like, well, I can step up as an aunt. I felt called to that. I'm not saying everyone's going to feel that call, mm -hmm. but I am, have a good relationship and a close relationship with my brother, seeing these children, knowing them. And, and it's been 17 plus years now of this. I'm going, that was a role I felt very called to. I'm like, mm -hmm. I can do that because I can have my life. There are boundaries in place. Mm -hmm. Okay. My brother has a key to my house. I, I, I don't need a key to my brother's house because his is always like keypad or something. But anyway, mm -hmm. but he's my power of attorney. So he needs to get in, in case something happens to me mm -hmm. and he needs to get into my house. But we live in different cities and mm -hmm. there's always communication. No one's just showing up, whatever, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. But I also live alone. So you do want someone who can get into your mm -hmm. house, that's, you know, that you trust. But my point is, is that there are boundaries in place. But mm -hmm. I knew that I need I felt called to be uh, to step up and be a support where I could to mm -hmm. those children, because I generally do want those, those kids to mm -hmm. be as well developed and well ungrounded and, and also very hopeful about life as possible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that means something to me. Right. So like, it, it's, it's really curious. Cause I think, well, we know that the child child free people get thrown under the bus for being selfish or like you didn't give your husband a child or whatever they want to tell, tell us. Mm -hmm. But it comes down to what's right for you because you could very easily be in a situation that would be all sorts of wrong for you. And I if worked you in, said, you know, like yeah. I'm and gonna I have a at, kid. And I actually Whatever. worked in the school system of the inner city, inner city school system here in 2017, 2018. And I saw some of the um, obstacles those little guys were facing. I mean, they were facing mm -hmm. homelessness, they were facing food insecurity, foster care system. So Again, even though that was not my journey, you're you're acutely aware that right. the kids here are not getting the resources and they didn't have the village that I had, you had. And if we're not going to make those villages, we need to come up with other options for adults who are considering not having children. And what I will say is uh, we'll see the millennials and the Z's. They are having these conversations. The information now is not so quiet and so secluded. And I'm loving mm -hmm. the conversation because they're now seeing that they have a choice and their financial situations are different from ours, our, our generations. But they're seeing, is it feasible possibly to bring a right. little little guy or little girl into the world and you don't have the resources. I mean, if you're at work all day, <laughs> there's no support and they're cutting the school program like you were talking about. Again, you leave them open to exploitation. And I think that is some of the things yes. that we're seeing now. So, you know, not to get very grainy, but we just have to think about these things. We do. We hope you enjoyed this episode presented by Child Free Media Limited. To stay current with child-free content like this, please visit childfreemedia.com and subscribe to the newsletter.